carbonara, cacio e pepe, and pasta grannies. This week, it's all about pasta. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the place where we explore the great food this world has to offer. And this week, we're carb loading with lots of pasta. Pasta in Rome, pasta in Florence, pasta in Puglia. It's really amazing how many different kinds of pastas and toppings you can get in Italy. And on this episode, me and my guests will talk about a few of them. But first, if you've been enjoying Destination Eat Drink and all the places we go to, do me a favor and rate and review the show. It helps other foodies like us to find the program and takes less than a minute to do. So, grazie. Destination Eat Drink. Michaela Malazzi is the host of the TV show Bare Feet on PBS, and she's currently working on a new season of that show. But I had her on Destination Eat Drink a while back, and she settled a long-standing controversy. Do you call marinara sauce or gravy? This is an off-the-wall question, but your production company that produces Bare Feet is called Sauce and Liver Productions. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend is Italian-American. She has dual passport. She has mm-hmm. uh, dual citizenship. She has a passport to Italy, passport to U.S. Mm-hmm. And one of the big questions, <laughs> I don't even know if it's a question, it's more of a controversy, is what do you call red marinara? Okay. <laughs> you call it you call it sauce. You call it gravy. And now I'm I not have to tell you what side she falls on. But I'm going to ask you, as an Italian American, what side? Can I ask fall on. when did her family come to to the United States? Because I think that has a big impact on what they call it. Before I answer that question, yeah, sure. It was uh, almost a hundred years ago. Okay, so they call it gravy. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> they do. We call it sauce, and I'll tell you why. When Italians came over. And the Italian American community was growing in the United States in the early late 19th century, early 20th century. There was no such thing as red sauce or marinara sauce. What Americans understood as this thick meat-based ragu was gravy. Think about it. In the American vernacular, for what this was, it was gravy. Fast forward to the 19, late 1960s when my family came over, sugo, we call it sugo in Italy. Yes, yes. Sugo translates to sauce. Right. And by the 60s, people understood sauce, the term sauce. So I think that's where no one in my family calls it gravy. No one in our whole community calls it gravy because everybody <laughs> in our family came over in the uh, 60s and 70s. And I, 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 that's my theory. It's only mine, my theory. I don't know. I'm sure there are other people who have other theories, but right. I honestly believe it's when your family came over and the translation of the American translation of what this deliciousness was. If you have that definition back then, that's what gravy was. And you know what? This is what sauce is. So that's my answer. <laughs> Again, a long, a long answer. 
I love well it's it's great for two reasons. One is I like your theory because when when I come up with theories like this, I have all kinds of them and I always call them my own personal crackpot mm-hmm. theories because mm-hmm. I'm the only one who has these theories about how things happen. But that's that's it. So that's that's uh, <laughs> that's your own personal crackpot yeah. theory. But I also think, you know, and calling crackpot theory, I'm not being dismissive at all, you know, right. just being funny. Right. But this is the first time I've ever heard a cogent explanation of 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 why this could have possibly happened this way because it launches a thousand arguments. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know amongst people, you know, no gravy is brown. No, it's this is what it's always been called. So now I have a little bit of ammunition in my non-Italian American pocket that I can kind of pull out and say, well, Michaela says, <laughs> and ask them. And I again, like I said, I asked you when did her family come right. over? Right. That seems to be the key here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know all of my Brooklyn friends that are Italian-American, they call it gravy. Right, right. Right? I know that. They call it gravy because that's what it was called. So it's, I think there's, everything has to be considered in context. Everything has to be considered in, in context, really. It's just like, because I've had this, it's not an argument. It's really... I've seen the art, quote unquote, argument over and over again. It's like, it's, we're talking about the exact same thing. <laughs> There's no reason to get upset over it. You know, like, but does it taste good? Let's hope yours tastes as good as ours. Cause that's the real argument, right? right. right? Whose is, who's is better? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just love that story from Michaela. Michaela also told me about the pasta grannies of Barre, Italy. Yeah, so Nuncia, I actually met Nuncia when I was in Bari years ago, and she is this local celebrity. There's a little street called uh, La Strada delle Orecchiette, the street of the Orecchiette pasta. That's the one that's shaped like the ears. And um, until recently, I have to be honest, I think now they've been cracking down on the women, the older women of that street because of, you know, food code, health code regulations, um, but these are women that have been making orecchiette right outside their home on this little street. You can buy it from them and take it home and cook it. And it's this beautiful tradition of the pasta that comes from Bari, Barese. It's, it's really a Barese pasta. Um, and she's beautiful and she's wonderful. And you can go, you can meet her, you can meet her mother, you can meet all the other beautiful older women that are making these pasta. And... Um, I hope they they are still able to do it. Now with COVID, I don't know what's going on. But even before that, there was an article in the Times, I think, that they were saying that they're doing this crackdown on that street. But she is this beautiful ambassador for Bari because she really loves what she does. She loves her culture. And she's speaking the Barese dialect, you know, like... Sometimes she, it's really difficult for me to understand what she's saying. And then she'll jump into regular Italian. But it's it's a it's a delicious pasta and it the the beauty of it is um the ear shape it looks like a little cap it cups the sauce it cups whatever amazing juice and sauce that you're cooking it with whether that's uh and sausage right usually i think they do orecchiette with broccoli rabe and sausage that's kind of like yes. the main dish and it cups those little bits of sausage and broccoli rabe, and and that's the beauty of that pasta. Is it really captures it, and you so you it's kind of like a little cup of it, and it's it's delicious, and I love it. <laughs> Giancarlo Yanota is the filmmaker behind the delightful road trip movie My Country. 
We talked about his film and some of the great pasta featured in that movie. Yes. So Amatriciana, first off, comes from this town outside of Rome called Amatrice. And people remember Amatrice because that was where this horrible earthquake happened uh, a couple of years ago. It happened actually right after I was filming the movie and I was in Rome and I could hear, um, you know, I could feel the waves from the from the earthquake. But anyway, um, so essentially Amatriciana is like a red sauce pasta. To kind of boil it down, it's a red sauce pasta with a little bit of meat. Uh, it could be like a little bit of bacon or a little bit of they call guanciale, which is like kind of like pig fat, I think they call I think it would be like the literal translation um, with, you know, like a pecorino cheese. Um, uh, it usually is what it's made with, a little black pepper. And um, so we wanted a, a, a Roman dish uh, for the movie. You know, as much pasta as I could throw in the movie, you know, gnocchi later on is the scene with the gnocchi, you know, a little bit of everything. One of the very first episodes of Destination Eat Drink I did was on Rome and, of course, the cuisine of Rome. Here's a bit of that episode and me talking about the famous dish cacio e pepe. Now, the quintessential Roman pasta dish is cacio e pepe, a deceptively simple dish to make that legend has was created by Roman shepherds who were in the hills around Rome watching their flocks and needed a dish that had ingredients that wouldn't spoil. So they came up with cacio e pepe, which is so simple that it only has a couple ingredients. Spaghetti, pecorino romano cheese, never parmesan, pecorino sheep's milk cheese, salt, and lots and lots of cracked pepper. And that's it. That's all that's required for making this dish. Deceptively simple, but difficult to execute. If you've ever tried to make cacio e pepe, inevitably the first few times you do it, the cheese breaks and you end up with the gloppy mess. This cacio e pepe is some kind of Roman grandmother Jedi mind trick to make it come together into this beautiful, creamy dish that is essential when you visit Rome. The best place to get cacio e pepe in Rome might be Felice e Testaccio. They've been around since 1936, and if you sit down and get the English menu, look for tonarelli. That's the Roman word for pasta. They put the cheese, they put the pepper on it. It's fantastic, and they've been doing it for over 80 years. They know exactly what they're doing when it comes to cacio e pepe and really anything else on the menu. Inside the train station in the mezzanine is La Tovla di Oliver Glowig, also known as La Tavola Il Vino e la Despensia. And if you go up there, this is a fantastic restaurant. Oliver is actually German, but he's been in Italy forever, and he knows how to make Italian food. It's a Michelin-recognized restaurant with surprisingly reasonable prices. And if you get the cacio e pepe there, it is your classic cacio e pepe dish, but it's served with sea urchin. He also serves the Roman specialty oxtail soup and a spaghetti dish with garlic, chilies, and hazelnuts. Who could imagine inside a train station, there's this wonderful foodie haven I've spent all my time in train stations eating out of vending machines, but when you go to Rome, this is a can't-miss place. If you're planning on taking the train in or out of Rome, 
give yourself a couple extra hours and make sure you get a meal at Oliver's. Tony Mazzaglia is a food tour guide in Florence. She's also doing balsamic vinegar tours. I'll have her on the podcast again this fall to talk about that. But right now we've got Tony talking about the pasta of Florence. I mean, definitely. And they've gotten more popular. Like I've seen them in the States the last few times I've gone home. Pappardelle, which Mm. are the... uh, long, flat, wide noodle. Mm-hmm. So they're flat, but they're like about almost an inch wide sometimes. Those are fantastic with meat sauces or with mushrooms, like porcini mushrooms. Um, so I would say when you come to to Florence and other parts of Tuscany, try pappardelle, especially with meat sauces, wild boar. Um, if you're lucky and you find a good duck ragu, that's the ultimate to me. Um, so that kind of stuff. Uh, I think a lot of people common they're looking for you know that plate of pasta with a lot of tomato i mean you are going to find tomato sauces here but we don't use as much sauce in tuscany it's more um tirato like there's it's just not it's not drowning in the the sauce here we we kind of finish cooking it in the sauce and it's just the right amount sometimes it leaves you wanting a little more sauce Hmm. whereas when you go further south you have more sauce like when you go down to rome there's a lot of tomato sauce and all that if you're looking for tomato rome is the place and then when you get on to Sicily, you get all the, the tomato, the garlic. Um, I'm generalizing, but an eggplant. Tuscany, a lot of the time, it's it's less sauce than you would expect, and then you get used to it and you love it. Is there a uh, is there a specific place that you think, oh, these guys really make great pasta? I mean, there are there are uh, certainly a lot of places that make great pasta in Florence. Off the top of my head, because we're talking about those meat sauces and things, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, Casalinga, which is right right around the corner from the Santo Spirito Church. She, uh, the mom is, is still in the kitchen and she makes this fantastic duck ragu. Um, I'm particularly obsessed with duck ragu because I used to date a guy who was a hunter. He and his father hunted. And then his mom, whose name is Pasqualina, and I, to this day, I love her and revere her <laughs> and I miss her food. <laughs> um, she made the best wild boar ragu the best duck ragu um lepre so your hair while you know like uh, rabbit and wild hair uh just any any of the ragu sauces she it was just the perfect balance the perfect flavor it was so good and now when i go to restaurants which is a very italian thing you go to a restaurant you order something and then you're like eh, my mom's is better right <laughs> so i'm like eh, pascolina's is better you know <laughs> but casalinga it's one of the few places that I've had it, and I've been like, this is comparable to, to Pasqualina sauces. So I've found my, I don't want to say Pasqualina replacement, because no one will ever replace Pasqualina. But um, since I am no longer dating her son, <laughs> I have to find my pasta elsewhere, and I found a good restaurant to get it. <laughs> um, so Casalinga. And then if I want to have um, more inventive things, I love uh, Coquinarius, which the original Coquinarius is right around the corner from the Duomo. Uh, just one street in from the cathedral. And then they opened another location on the way up to Fiesole that has a great view and a big terrace. Oh, I love that uh, place. Coquinarius does, they have seasonal menus. Have you been there? No, but I bet the, the town that uh, you go when you have the view, um, it's so beautiful up there. It's beautiful. It's, the view is just spectacular and it's just, it's a totally different feel. Um, so Coquinarius has, they're famous for their pear and cheese. They're called, um, they call them raviolini, but a lot of places would call them fagottini. They're like, you know, those like bozo bags, like when they would put the little bag on their shoulder on a stick. Yes. They, they're shaped like that. Right, right. <laughs> 
So it's like that. It's that shape. And it's filled. The ones at Coquinardias are filled with, you can feel like the little fresh chunks of pear. So it's not ground mm. up or pureed. And just, just the right amount of cheese. And then they've got them. I, I want to say it's butter. Could be olive oil, but I'm pretty sure it's butter. And just a nice dusting of Parmigiano. And it's just so good. And they're really rich. So I like to get those. I like to share them with someone. And then they have seasonal specialties. So they have one they do in the summer that they're um, a stuffed pasta. Sometimes it's a raviolo. Sometimes they're round. Sometimes they're square. But they're always stuffed with um, like a mixture of scallops and something else. And then they do this super velvety tomato puree, but just like a bed of it. And they serve it on top. And then they sprinkle it with, I want to say it's... Um, Poppy seeds. I didn't have them this year because I, you know, I, I haven't really eaten out a lot this year. So, um, yeah, poppy seeds on top, and it, they're just so delicate. So, Coquinarius does stuff. The thing is, is that the owners are Tuscan, but most of the people in the kitchen are Sicilian. Hmm. So, surprise, surprise. Awesome. <laughs> uh, they're doing a lot of fantastic stuff with. They take traditional ingredients and they play with them while still respecting them. Let's make a quick trip back to Rome and hear from Katie Parla. Katie's written a cookbook about Roman food, and here she and I are talking about some of the famous pastas from Rome, like carbonara. Yeah, Rome has this uh, sort of canon of pasta dishes. Cacio e pepe is super famous. So is amatriciana, carbonara, and gricia. And those three pastas are sort of built off the same base. All of them have guanciale or cured pork jowl. Some people use pancetta instead, which is cured pork belly. Um, carbonara is made further with um, uh, sort of barely cooked egg, um, either the whole egg or the yolk, depending on the cook. Mm-hmm. Black pepper and pecorino romano. Gricha is that guanciale or pancetta base uh, with black pepper and pecorino romano. And amatriciana <laughs> is the guanciale or pancetta base with tomato. Um, some people used onions, some shallots, some garlic, some use black pepper, some use chili. No one uses both. So <laughs> it's, uh, that, that's sort of your, those are the big four, right? But you know, that's just what visitors hear about and what makes it into guidebooks. There are a lot of other pasta dishes that are really quintessentially Roman. Um, I'm thinking of rigatoni in the tomato sauce that oxtails have been raised in. That's a really super common Roman dish. Um, so is uh, rigatoni with payata or the intestines of milk-fed veal, um, which are tied into rings and, and cooked. So they become these sort of almost ricotta sausages. Um, I realize that might not sound super appetizing to everyone, but I promise that it's delicious. And there's a, you know, a litany of other pasta dishes that would be on any menu of any Roman trattoria right beside uh, the carbonara, amatriciana, gricha, and cacio e pepe. So we've got pork and we've got intestines. What about for our vegetarian friends? Well, you know, Italy is a place that's very friendly to vegetarians as long as you're aware that many people don't consider small pieces of pork Right. to break any vegetarian rules. So you got to inform yourself. Um, I mean, one of the awesome Roman, like very quick pasta dishes that is meat free is uh, spaghetti with uh, garlic, oil and chili. Okay, there you go. Pasta in Puglia, pasta in Rome, pasta in Florence. What more could you ask for? And you can get links to the full episodes of Destination Eat Drink and the places my guests talk about 
in the show notes. That's at radiomisfits.com slash DED144. And this episode has me hungry for one of my favorite pasta dishes my girlfriend makes. We first had it in a little restaurant in Rhode Island, and she's done a magnificent job of recreating it at home. It's super easy to make, and I'm not even going to give you the recipe. I'm just going to tell you what's in it because it's, it's so easy to make. You just take mini pasta shells, and you fold in a cup or two of lentils, the brown kind, You melt in some goat cheese, you add some chopped rosemary and pepper flakes, and it's just fantastic. And I've never seen it on a menu anywhere else, not in Italy, not in Italian-American restaurants. I don't know. Maybe this little restaurant, Nana Cherubina, made it up themselves. I don't know. I don't know what its origin is, but I've never seen it. And don't go looking for Nana Cherubina. They closed in Rhode Island years ago. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we are on an expedition to the ancient city of Antakya. We know it in English as the city of Antioch. And we'll try some eggplant dried. We'll also try some pomegranate molasses. Don't miss that. It's a fascinating episode. Um, But wait, there's more. Over at DestinationEatDrink.com, I've posted a story about Montezuma's Castle in Arizona. And spoiler alert, it has nothing to do with Montezuma. It's not a castle either, but it's still an interesting story. You can get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Pasta Grandpa Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. 